All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Dad Debate. I am Jason Waller here with Talent Torriero. Uh, we are actually going to switch gears a little bit. You know, we've been interviewing and talking to some friends, getting some insight and direction on, uh, you know, some of their advice and some of their struggles that they've gone through and being being parents and dads. But something we wanted to, to switch gears on today was really talking about uh, something that we both have struggled with and something that Talon is wanting to open up a little bit more about. Um, and it, it, it's interesting how it can impact you as a parent, as a, as a husband, uh, as a friend, uh, as a son. I mean, there's, there's so many things that it can impact, but we want to talk about uh, anxiety, uh, you know, OCD. Uh, and for me, I don't know if Talon really, really dealt with it was, was depression. Um, because I think all those things kind of, you know, percolate with one another and they can cause, you know, they can cause some, uh, barriers as we, uh, are, are navigating this life as we are parents, uh, especially as dads. Um, you know, and I know talent, I'm going to kind of turn this over to you because, you know, I know it's something that you've talked to me about for years and I appreciate you being open and vulnerable, um, you know, about, about your struggle with anxiety because you almost, you know, it's almost you you see it as demasculating. You see it as you know it's it's you know it's almost it's a sign of weakness. Uh, where I've kind of seen the other side of it. Um, so do you mind just opening up and sharing with everybody what it's been like for you and having you know this struggle? You know for for let's start with how long you've been dealing with it and and where it's at today. Yeah. So this is a, a super important conversation. One that I think. Uh, a lot of men don't have, or they're not honest with themselves, or they honestly just don't know that they deal with these things. They think that they're, they don't understand why they're feeling certain ways, why they're thinking certain ways. So I'm going to start from the beginning. I remember in high school playing football, I would do this thing where I would cough. I would go, (laughs) and I would cough like repetitively. And I went to the doctors and the doctors were like, you know, we were trying to find out if I was allergic to grass or if I suffered from allergies and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And I never did this except when I was playing football. So looking back on it, clearly it was OCD and anxiety. Like I was having, you know, dealing with pressure and by doing OCD things like coughing repetitively, it was like my way of controlling, you know, that, that feeling of pressure. Right now, now granted at the time, I didn't know that it was OCD and I didn't know it was anxiety from there. And Jason, you, you will know this. And all my friends know this. I was in mammoth one time skiing and I choked on a piece of broccoli or beef and broccoli, excuse me. And it was pretty bad. I mean, I was blue and black (laughs) And my, my buddy's brother <laughs> saved my life, like straight up Heimlich, finger down the throat, like last second, gra- saved my life. I was freaking out. Dude. And ever since then, I was afraid of choking. So what I would do is, is I would constantly chew my food. So if you eat food with me, you will see that I eat my food. It takes me literally 30 minutes to eat food. We call because him the human I, grinder. I am literally eating my food. For every bite I take, a normal person would eat like seven bites. Like eating with my dad and my brother, they eat so fast. They would be done with their food and I would be on my third bite. Like I'm not even joking. So right. now granted, keep in mind, I didn't know that this was OCD or anxiety, but as my life continued, what I found was is that 
every, I would go into a new set of patterns. So from there, it went to putting my finger in my ear. And what's interesting about that is that apparently when you put your finger in your ear, it like shuts off your brains. There's like some science behind how your, your ear is connected to your throat and the nerves and how that works. But like, I would put my finger in my ear and I would cough really loud. Is that where you were walking around like this, bro? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it got so, to be a hundred percent real, like to this day, I get these boils in my ears, like, like infections once a year. Cause I'll put my finger in my ear. And it will no cause way. an infection, like a zit, like an infected zit. And I have to go yeah. on antibiotics like once or twice a year. I bring this up because it never, I never suffered from depression, which I know some people do as a, as a result of this. I definitely had feelings of feeling trapped. Like I felt like I was trapped in my mind. I wish I could get a new person's mind. I realized looking back on it, all the things I did, they're so, they're so OCD. They so ridiculous. I, actually, at one point I was, I would puke. I would force myself to puke to, to when I had anxiety as if that was going to relieve that anxiety. And I started therapy when I was like 18. And I remember walking into my therapy, uh, my therapist's office. And I said, Hey, what's up, man? My name's Talon. My dad really wants me to do this. So is this like a three-month program, like four hours, three times a week? Or what is this? And he just kind of looked at me. And I said, listen, if this is like a, a you know, if this is a program, I'm, I got time. Let's do eight hours a day, five days a week. We'll bang this thing out in two weeks and I'll be on my merry way. And he looked at me, he smiled right. and he said, Talon, this is, this is something you're going to deal with for the rest of your life. And my job as a therapist is to teach you how to manage your symptoms, how to have a better understanding of what triggers your symptoms and how to, you know, better, the more that you understand, the more I've learned, the more that I understand myself, the more that I am able to have a grasp on this. Now, the scary part about this, and this is where the conversation is going to lead, is that it went away for a couple of years. I was on a medication called Klonopin, which is generally given to people um, who suffer from anxiety. I was super afraid of SSRIs just because this idea of something like controlling my brain just kind of freaked me out. And so this idea of Klonopin, which, you know, it just slows you down. The only side effect is people become addicted to it. Not necessarily addicted like they fiend it, but your body becomes, what's the word, Jason? Like your body becomes dependent. Used to it. Dependent. Yeah. Well, not, no, not dependent. You don't become, you don't necessarily become dependent on it. You, you could take 225.25 milligrams of it and take it in three months from then because you're taking it every day and your body, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, well, you're, you're not reacting to it. You're not having an effect to it. Yeah. So the reason why it's, yeah. So what happens is that the, the, the drug, you have to increase it. And you, and I chose never yeah, you slowly to do have that. To go up. I, I chose never to do that. And this is what fascinates my doctors. I chose to stay on the same uh, dose, which was very low. I took half of what I was supposed to. It was like 0.25 milligrams. Then I wanted to get off of it because I felt like I was in a better place mentally. I wanted to see how I would do. So I cut that. So I cut a pill in half and that's what I would take every morning. Then I cut that pill in half again. So it was a quarter. It was literally the size of a tip of a pen. And right. I took that for a year. My doctors were like, 
Talon, you're not even taking anything. Like at this point, the amount that you are taking is completely placebo. And it was kind of a a wake-up call for me. It was like, okay, maybe I do have a grasp on this. But then cut to about three months later, I was at my in-law's house and I woke up. I was a little hungover. And when I'm hungover, I tend to have a lot of anxiety. And we'll, we'll get into that. I woke up, woke my wife up and said, hey, I forgot my medicine. We need to go home and get it. My wife's like, it's only point, you know, 12 milligrams. Your doctor said it doesn't do much. We don't need to rush home. Why don't we go? Let's go. Let's go home in a, in a couple, in a, in a couple hours. And I was like, no, we need to go right now. And it was in that moment that I was like, it scared me. It made me realize like, yes, although it's a placebo, it's not helping my OCD. If I see, so I realized my brain worked that if I took this pill, I felt invincible regardless of what it did to me or didn't do to me. What I hear you saying is, is it mind over matter. You know what I mean? I mean, you almost, you almost tricked yourself into believing that by taking this, this pill, it's like, it's what's alleviating all my symptoms and everything that I'm going through. But I have a question. So going back though, is you said that you got yourself so, so nauseous and so worked up that you actually ended up throwing up. Yeah. Did that happen often? No, I would force myself to throw up. I would pull the trigger. Like, and that, would, did that have anything to do with like an eating thing or was it just, no, was, it, no, was it really no, going back yes, to you? Sort of. Yes. Yes. Sort of. Right. So again, therapy is about figuring out why you do things. And, and the more I understand it, the more that I don't do it. Right. So it turns out the reason why I did it is like my anxiety triggers are in my throat or in my stomach. Like when I go to the dentist and I get numb, needles don't scare me. I have this fear of like my throat closing up. Ever since my throat closed up in Mammoth and I choked. But it's not referring to an eating disorder though, correct? Correct. This has nothing to do it's, with, with this is just more of my a, figure, a, the way I looked. We, we looked into this. Um, it does not. It basically was, I would have anxiety and, you know, some people feel different symptoms. Some people feel like uh, lightheaded. Some people feel dizzy. Some people feel like their throat is kind of closing, right? Mine would feel right. like that. So I would, I would try to puke to trying to like, as if that would open my throat up or something like mentally, that's what it would do for me. So, but I mean, it was bad dude, to be a hundred percent honest. Like there were freaking, I had like, there was, there was like a good month of my life where I had a, a like cup in my car. Cause I knew I would puke when I was in the car. So I was like ready to, and I wouldn't like puke, like all my food. It was like just enough to just like open up my throat. Right. So it was like, it's very fucking weird. And I, and I want to be as tramp as transparent as possible. I've never shared this like publicly because I know there's people that deal with this. Like I have people all the time that come up to me and say, Hey man, I'm, I'm dealing with anxiety and I'm, I'm really embarrassed about it. And I'm like, well, I'm an open book. So everyone knows that, that knows me knows that I'm like, you know, I suffer from these things with all that being said, there's a light at the end of the tunnel in regards to as I went through therapy, as I learned to work on myself, as I learned to work how my brain worked. And when I say that, I know that's not like the scientific way of saying it, but as I learned like my triggers, I learned to manage it. And I've for years put off taking medicine. And I know that medicine would help me. Like if I took an SSRI, like a, a Zoloft or a, you know, uh, there's a lot of Lexapro them out there. Lexapro, Effexor, yeah. it would help my OCD tremendously. 
And I, I'm still open to it, but I'm, I don't know. It just, it just makes me nervous, man. Like I, it took me, it takes me like, I even hate taking Advil, dude. <laughs> like, like any medication. No, I get that. Freaks so, me out. But I think this is like, so, but how does this, you know, and tying this all back together. So, I mean, it obviously has started at a young age, you know, you're in high school. I mean, I remember all the things that you were going through. Uh, yeah. If you, you, know, if you I, look I, on, if you look back on like us growing up and think about all the things I did, you'd be like, dude, holy shit. That was anxiety. That was anxiety. That was anxiety. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, looking back over that and seeing how that all, you know, parlayed from whether it was the football to the, the moment that you, you, you know, you choked on food uh, to all the events that kind of came after, came after that, but obviously it stemmed from something even prior to football, but it sounds like you've obviously taken the necessary steps with a therapist to kind of go through those modalities to understand and get a better awareness of what you are struggling with. So with that being said though, I mean, with where you're at now, you know, how is, how is it now? And also how does it impact your life as being a dad? Good question. So I'm going to start at the beginning of the pandemic. So I've learned during the pandemic, there was this whole movement of like, you know, eat as much as you can get bigger. Like it's okay to be fat, whatever. And I took it as an opportunity, not to say that I'm like, I think I'm better than somebody, but I knew I was going to be spending a lot of time alone. So I chose to try to better myself for the sake of my, my children, right? Because I told myself, if I don't get a grip on this, I need to go on medication because at that point I'm, this is bigger than, than, than me. And I, I need to be a better father to my son. And you could say that I suffered from depression as a result of that, you know, those thoughts, right? So my wife was sick. She was sick when she was pregnant. And she had a thing called hyperemesis, which is where basically she just has morning sickness 24 hours a day. It was, it was really bad. So for three months, I would watch my son Bronson because we kept him home from school because COVID had just hit and it was like this thing. We didn't know what it was. I kept him home from school. I would take care of him all day. I would work out. I would, we would eat on a schedule. We would learn. We would do all the things he did at daycare. I would do. Then at night, I would work from like eight to four in the morning. Now, the, the point of the, the story is I occupied my mind. I had, I had so, such a strict schedule. And I've learned even from you, like having a schedule and sticking to those, those things in your schedule really helps my OCD, right? Like, because my brain is occupied with the things that I'm doing versus when I'm trapped in my own mind, because I'm not like thinking about taking care of my son or we're eating lunch or whatever it is, my brain starts to just go off. It starts to go off and on its right. own path and I go down a bad slope. So things were really good. And I had felt I was healthier probably than I'd ever been in better shape. I'd been since high school. I felt great. My mind was right. But then I got cocky, right? I got cocky and I thought, you know what? I have this under control. I'm good. And that's the biggest mistake you can make is that OCD anxiety just goes away, right? Like I, it came back and I remember I called Jason and I said, Jason, man, I'm thinking about going on this medication called Zoloft because I hit a really dark spot. And this is because I had an infected tooth, um, you know, I had to take tons of antibiotics. It messed up my, my, my gut like so bad. 
And when I don't eat and I don't, I've noticed that when my gut is off, I'm sure there's science behind this, but when my gut is off, my anxiety is, is off the charts. So what happened was, is that I, I, was, I was at a pretty low point. I felt like I was, I was not being a good dad. I was more concerned about what I was feeling, my thoughts. Um, I wasn't being a good husband. It was affecting my marriage. It was, and it was like, it's one of those things that once you start going downhill, you can't stop it, right? Thankfully, I have friends like Jason who, you know, you don't know this, but the, the conversations that we had as a result of what I reached out to you about really changed me. And it's the little things, man. Like when you texted me, like, I don't know, like four days later and you were like, yo, man, just checking in, making sure you're okay. It meant a lot. And I think what I realized in that moment is that having a great support system is and good friends and good family. And because a lot of people will say, oh, you're such a pussy. You have anxiety. Like you're such a pussy. Like get over it. It's just stress. We all deal with it. Right. But no, like we all don't deal with this. Like, yes, we all deal with stress. Yes. We all maybe deal with a little bit of what we think is anxiety, but like anxiety is, so what do they say? Depression is dwelling on the past and anxiety is fear of the future, right? When you have anxiety, you think about, so I'm just going to give you like what 20 minutes of my life is like before I went to bed when I was in a dark time. I had an infected tooth. I was convinced that I had sepsis, that I was going septic, that I was going to die, that I had a fever. I went to the ER. They gave me antibiotics. They told me I was fine. They said, go see your dentist. I went to my dent and like, like in those 20 minutes, you, you convince yourself like you have cancer, you're going to die. I can't tell you how many nights I go to sleep convincing myself I have cancer. I, I go to the doc or like, I I'm going to die of like this, or I'm going to have a heart attack. You know, I, I, I find weird lumps on my body. I'm always going to the doctor. Like, Hey, see, I, I suffer from hypochondria, like terribly. I'll be like, look at this lump. What is this? It's like, Oh, that's just a, a fatty, you know, tissue. He's like, yeah, it's a lot, right. but it's like, it's just, it's just a lipoma. And I'm like, no, we need to get it tested. He's like, Talon, you don't need to get it tested. He's like, just come back in a year and we'll, we'll check it out. And I will come back in a year. And he's like, he's like, yeah, it's, it's good. I'm like, no, we need to get it tested. Then I'll spend a thousand dollars to have it tested. Then I don't believe the guy who's testing it. So then I have to get like an MRI and I'll take it so far and I'll spend so much money. Now here's the scary part about this. That would be one thing to focus on one lump. But as soon as I get over that hump, like no pun intended, but as soon as I get over that hump, <laughs> I, find, I find a new problem. So now I'm like, what's this? What is this in my neck? And I'll, I'll yeah. focus on that. And then I'll have to go through the same process. Go to the doctor, have them test it, go to a specialist, have them check it out. I'll still think they're wrong. I'll dwell on it. Then I'll find another problem. So the point is that like, I really hit a dark place. I needed help. I thought I was doing well. And, you know, what I realized is that events happen in your life that can trigger your anxiety for mine. It was my, my tooth being infected and then my gut. And I just, it was just downhill, down fucking hill. Well, I think but what you're saying though is, and I think for a lot of people, and I can relate to this personally, is the unmanageability is there is anxiety. There's levels of depression. There's levels of, uh, of, um, 
stress that everybody endures and stuff. But what you were experiencing is anxiety to a completely different level where your life became unmanageable. And that's, I had that at a very young, I had that at a very young age with OCD, but for people to understand there's a big difference than just having, oh, I have anxiety. Like, you know, there's some stuff going on today and like my day's kind of out of whack versus like literally like manifesting your life and your life becoming unmanageable where you cannot function. Yeah. Like I literally would convince myself that I had cancer. I, I still do this. Not, not as much anymore, but I will convince myself that I have cancer. I'm going to die. I, and I'm not talking about like, like, Oh my God, I have cancer. I'm going to die. Like legitimately when I was younger, I would write like notes, like, like goodbye notes to my mom. Like I, cause I was so, I, I literally thought I was going to die of this cancer or that or whatever it was. And, and like, I, so when I say like, what a gnarly place to be in, you know, dude, what I mean? like super wow. gnarly. And I'm, and I'm really, maybe I did suffer from some depression, but I, I would just, I think the scary part about it is that whenever I get over one thing, I move on to the next and it's scary, man. It's scary that that's, but it's like, I'll go for two years doing great. Something happens that triggers and then boom, I'm down, I'm done. And then I got to find my way back out. And that's what happened. So I reached out to Jason and I said, you know what? I was talking to my therapist. He's like, Talon, you got to take Zoloft. You got to take your medication. You know, we've, we've tried this long enough. And he said, listen, I'll make you a deal. You get on a strict schedule. You know, I was start, I started a new job where I'm, I'm being very creative and I'm, I'm working a ton. He's like, get on a strict schedule, you know, start your new job and let's see where you're at in two months. And we'll go from there. And you have to go on the treadmill for 14 or sorry, 14 minutes a day. So run for two minutes, walk for two minutes. Anything more is a cherry on top, but you need to do that. And since I've done that, I've gotten, I'm back. I'm not hundred percent back, but I'm definitely back. And I was talking to him about it and I know I jumped the gun on this, but it made me realize that when I was doing really well during quarantine was because I was so, my mind was occupied by my son and work and being healthy that I didn't have time to allow my mind to think about dying of some cancer that doesn't exist. Right. So I learned my lesson and now going forward, I, I am like, you know, I read a book about OCD, like a chapter once a day. I, I'm trying to get into meditation. It's something that I'm, I'm learning to get into. I'm on a strict schedule. You know, I'm still dealing with some issues, but my life is now what I would call manageable, right? So like my OCD and anxiety exists, but I, I am a good dad and it's manageable. So doesn't mean I won't take medication. It doesn't mean I won't have another thing, but I told my wife and myself that if I have another episode that gets as dark as it did, you know, three months ago, I will go on medication. So. The reality is, will that happen? The chances are pretty great that it will. So I have a question for you, like, I, and I appreciate all this. So, and I think it's really important that you talk about this because I, I also am a firm believer that structure, you know, creates safety. And I think that, you know, having routine and, and things like that are very good. But also I'm curious to know though, is did your therapist talk about, you know, because again, is even though you're preoccupying your mind, you know, and things are staying and, and you're able to mitigate that. 
obviously this thing's still brewing in the back. Is there something that he's ever talked about that, you know, is like, because I know with trauma, I know with PTSD, it's like almost you got to go back into that time to really kind of process and figure out where that stemmed from. Even for yeah. me with depression, it's like I had to figure that out. Is, is he ever, is there ever been talks about that of like going back to where this really came from? Because I mean, I get oh, yeah. where you're at oh, in the yeah. gist of the story. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm for sake of, uh, I know I've been, I'm a pretty open book, but for sake of just some people's privacy in my life, I'm, I'm, yes, this, this, this started when I was younger and just some things that happened to me when I was a kid, it was like, this triggered these behaviors in me that didn't come out till I was about 16. Um, wow. I, I, so but yes, again, to your point, this, this starts early. Like this doesn't just like happen. This starts early in your life. I, I don't think for everybody, like people who are, you know, I don't know much about PTSD, so I'm not going to like speak on it, but like people who are like suffer traumatic events, right? Like that can trigger, that can bring this out. I'm sure there's, again, a lot of science and you know, people say, is it, there's a big debate, you know, is this, is this something you're born with or is this something that you, 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 an event or things in your life change the way your brain thinks or works. Right. I think personally, not, not to like, cause I know it's a big debate. I think personally you're, you're born with it, but I think there are people that are born with it that are fine. They don't deal with this their whole life. But then I think there's people that are born with it that suffer from things in their childhood that trigger it and bring it to the surface. You know, I mean, because the reason why I think of that is because there's there's people who grow up with alcoholic, abusive parents, right? And they turn out just fine. They're great. Their mindsets are great. Now, not everyone's that way, right? There are some people that don't. They kind of like sometimes you see brothers, right? You see one brother goes this way. And one brother went this way. Like one brother did the complete opposite and one brother did the exact same thing, right? Yep. So with that in mind, I just wanted to just kind of touch on everything, let people know that, you know, I suffer from this stuff. I, if you do, I really, really encourage you to get therapy. It's not, doesn't make you less of a man. If anything, my therapist has become my friend. He's almost become a life coach. He helps me with business decisions. He, if it wasn't for like, I don't know, the, ther- the therapist, patient, uh, you know, rules and regulations, you. he probably would have come to my freaking wedding. Like, you know, he's a really cool dude that I talk to once a week. And now it's through Zoom because I'm, you know, live in Nebraska. And I've, I've been talking to him since I was 18. So that's, that's 16 years, man. Wait. Is it long? No, 16 years of my life, I've been talking to this guy regularly. And uh, I honestly owe a lot of where I'm at to him. So with that being said, I really wanted to talk about this not only for myself and for you guys listening, but Jason's story, although similar, and I think this is something that's important, anxiety and depression is not like an, an OCD. They're... There are many forms of this, right? Let's call it that. There are many forms of this on how people deal with it, what triggers them. It's not like one trigger that I have is going to trigger Jason or one thing that I obsess with, Jason's going to obsess with. So 
that's my story. Jason, I'd love to jump into yours. And I know people would love to know, first off, what do you deal with on a daily basis? And then go back to where did it start and lead us back to where you are today. So Talon, you know, I really appreciate you being, you know, so open and vulnerable and sharing your story, you know, and I think it's really important for people to, to hear what you had to say, because it's, you know, some things, you know, events can cause certain things to happen, whether it's your, you know, later down in life, or like you said, I mean, there's something that happened when you're younger that, you know, then later surface these things, which I think is important to be able to identify that. And the fact that, you know, that is huge. Um, you know, I'm somebody that struggled severely with OCD to the point where I would wash my hands until they bleed at, in seventh grade, uh, sixth grade, seventh grade is when it really started to take off. And, you know, there was an event that happened. I don't know if it was sex. I, I believe like what we've come down and penned it to a sexual education class where like when we start talking about like diseases and different things, I don't know what that was, but it triggered OCD like crazy in me. And I think that I was pre-genetically disposed, uh, with, you know, addiction, with, with uh, OCD. I mean, there's a lot of people in my family that have some form of mental health. Uh, you know, and there's people that go date way back that have actually like, committed suicide in my family. And so there's, there's a big history of, of you know, mental health um, that, that falls into place. So I'm a firm believer in that. But it really took me to a place. And I remember used, I used to always have such insecurity as like, you know, always growing up and being, uh, you know, an, an athlete and being a part of the popular group, having, you know, a lot of friends and, and, you know, always dating, you know, the, the who's who chicks, whatever it may be, you know, on the outside, that was just a deflection, you know, re in reality is I had an overinflated ego with an underestimated sense of self-worth at a very young age. And so I'd always try to dictate or, or fulfill my success based on the outer stuff. Well, I'm good at sports or I'm, I have a lot of friends or I, you know, whatever it may be, but internally, I never really felt that way at a very young age. And so that's why I was able to determine that I had, and I struggled with, um, you know, addictive tendencies and or behaviors way before I ever picked up a drink or a drug. And so I was going through all these years of my life trying to manifest and trying to deal with like, I have all this stuff. And again, as I grew up in a great family, I grew up with a lot of, there was a lot of success around me. Uh, but at the end of the day is, is I never felt that I amounted to, or I was ever enough. And I mean, I remember when in junior high, you were one of the victims that I had you Cedric and a few others where I was like, we're best friends, right? Like I needed validation. I needed constant yeah, validation. I didn't, I didn't know what that was. I was always like, yeah, we're best friends, dude. And I was like, I was so, con I was like confused. I was like, why is he asking me that all the time? Every day, every yeah, day. And it was, but that the, was your go-to like, like instead of saying, what up, dude, how you doing? You'd be like, yo buddy, what's up? Are we best friends? Are we best friends? Yeah. Yeah. Boy, yeah, boy. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, but it was like looking at that, it was really what that was, was a, a, a 10, 11, 12, 13 year old kid really not feeling, feeling completely inadequate and in where he was in life. Like he didn't know how to just like explain this to anybody because we didn't know what we did today about mental health or OCD or different things that we did back then. So that's how I was having a problem. My parents, like they, I went to psychiatrist therapy. I mean, they tried doing everything they could, you know and I mean? Cause I used to have to, I used to, you know, and I'm jumping around, there was, there's the OCD components with that of seeking validation. And there's the OCD that really was a physical element where I would have to wear gloves that were covered with neosporin because my hands would bleed so much because I'd wash them 30 times a day. See, see, the most fascinating thing about this, Jason, is like, as an outsider, I never thought anything about your like, are we best friends? I just thought that was your way of saying hi. I never knew. I thought, man, this guy's a good looking dude who's the best baseball player, one of the better baseball players that I've ever seen as a young guy who has his shit fucking unlocked. <laughs> 
And it's just, it's fascinating, right? It's fascinating that behind the door, you were dealing with these problems. Yeah. And, and that to the point of, of, you know, that, which that all led into depression for me, which, you know, so that there was that whole domino effect, but then come, come the latter years, you know, going into high school and stuff, which it was, it was, I was, you know, I was able to get through and manage and stuff. And then, you know, by the time I was 17, so not all the way through high school is when, you know, I really started experimenting with, with drinking and drugs and, and those things alleviated all those symptoms. And so Got now it. I was like, yes, I don't have to feel this shit anymore. You know what I mean? And so that is where that all took off. And unfortunately, uh, you know, there is no such thing as a quick fix. Uh, anything worth having is not easy. And that whole, that, so from dealing with the internal stuff, internalization, uh, OCD, uh, anxiety, depression, found a relief symptom, which then took me down a whole nother thing, which just exasper- uh, exasperated all those other things because as the years went on, as every, a lot of people are very privy to, as I started to get into a lot of trouble, I started to drink to, to, to blackout. I mean, I was just, the whole cycle happened and that took me to even a deeper, darker place, which, you know, I relate to you with the anxiety at the hangovers and different things. So what I do, I just kept drinking, man. I just, it it just take away. I didn't want to feel. You just, you get the hangover. That's why like people, when they're hungover, they're like, Oh, I'll just have a mimosa and I'll just roll right into the next Sunday fun day. Right. It's like, it's kind of an unhealthy way of thinking. Like if that's your idea of like dealing with that anxiety, like that's, that's, I think I, I've made a choice after our conversation. I don't really drink very much anymore. Now I'm not like, I'm not sober, but like I realize how much hangovers affect me. So I, I choose to just, you know, every once in a while, you know, like very, very little. I just, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. I'm fucking done with it. No. And that, it- and that, and I'm, again, as I'm not against people that can enjoy themselves, and, and I'm, even though I I'm an advocate for sobriety, and I believe that you know abstinence is great. I, I again, I'm mean, not. I have a lot of my wife drinks. I have. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of people yeah. around me that I still hang out with that it doesn't destroy their life. But um, you know, long story short is is it took me uh, you know fast forwarding is after all the treatment, all the arrest, all the stuff I went through is is I ended up you know it took me ten years to get to where I'm at. You know, back in. July 23rd, 2010 is when this the road to recovery really started for me. But even prior to that, all the way back to 2003, I started this. So I've been with with therapy and different, you know, counselors. So, I mean, I've been doing stuff for over, geez, almost, almost 20 years. I've been working on myself, um, but I finally got to a place where I was mature enough and I was, you know, in a place of willingness and vulnerability and uh, in a place of surrender to take direction because I knew that the way I was doing it couldn't work anymore. Um, and I had to, I had to turn it over and I had to really, really open up, get honest and talk about what I was really going through, the symptoms and the struggles that came from and the things that had happened. And I had to open up about what I just shared with you, which was so hard for me to be able to explain going back to uh, people are going to judge me. People are going to have these, you know, these thought processes and, you know, I always, always looked at like the more you can drink, the this the the, the more badass you are, the more you know yeah, this type yeah. of mentality. For sure, um, and, and that took me to that place. But today is is through hard work, through therapy, through um, through everything that I've done. You know, I'm at a place where I am stable. Um, but just in closing, with it is is it's taken a lot of work. You know, it's taken a lot, a lot of work. And I think that's something that people need to understand. This doesn't just go away. And even just I take medication. I've taken medication for years. Uh, I take a low dose of, of Lexapro, which helps with the OCD. But for me is like, yeah, that medication mitigated some of the symptoms that I was having, but I had to do a lot of, 
you know, whether it was, you know, talk therapy, which is just your, your, your basic communication with the therapist to, you know, EM, EMDR, CBT, uh, there's different therapeutic modalities that I've done over the course of years. And again, as Ashley and I do therapy, I mean, I have therapy in, in eight minutes, um, you know, that we do every Friday. Um, and it's, it's something that has been very, very beneficial, but it's just to get a deeper dive into what it is that we, that we struggle with. What are the triggers? What are the things that we come out with? Um, you know, and, and I, I think there's, there's, I think this will be a talking point throughout, you know, throughout the show, uh, because obviously this is stuff that we deal with on a daily basis, uh, and that it really, it, it does impact, um, impact our lives and it impacts our ability, uh, to be, you know, the best, best husband, the best parent, the best, the best of friend, whatever it may be. Um, you know, because I still go through waves. I mean, this yesterday and, and a week prior to that, I mean, there was waves of depression that were, that were debilitating. And, and again, as I had to have a support system, I had to have people that were there to be able to pull me out of it. Um, you know, and that's outside of therapists, that's friends, that's being able to understand, to be able to get up. And, and I have to remember though, a big part of this is that these are just thoughts and thoughts come and go. Um, and so, I don't, I don't, I'm aware of where they come and a, a tool that I use and I'll close out with is, is I use a triple A modality. It's, it's awareness, acceptance, and action. I identify if you're not aware of what's going on, you're not going to be able to accept it. And if you can't accept it, you cannot take action. And so I, I become hyper aware of why I'm feeling this way. I don't dig in, dive, I don't sit in it and like, you know, get depressed around it. I sit in it and understand where it's coming from. And then I accept where that's at. And it's like, okay, what I have, an, uh, am I going to, I have a, an option. There's option A, you're going to go and stay there and not do anything or option B, or you're going to go do something about it. Um, and that tool has been, you know, 95% effective for me uh, when I really, really do it. With that being said, I think, uh, you know, the, this is a great talking point. It's obviously um, the more that I've, I've put this in the forefront and I've take care of my mental health and my overall well-being, I'm able to be a better father. I'm able to be a better husband. I'm able to just be a better person in general. So if you guys are struggling you're not out and you're out there, you're not alone. There is a solution. Today, I'm in a place where I don't have to utilize, you know, drugs or alcohol uh, to, to get through the day. Um, and I actually have a life that is absolutely worth living. It's, it's amazing. Um, you know, there's, there's things that happen. There's shit that comes up there where I'm, you know, it's like, God, I got to, you know, it's, it's life, but there's a way out. You know, I've seen you at your highest highs and your lowest lows and you know, where you're at today is, is pretty impressive, man. So, uh, cheers to you and the work that you've done. And I think more importantly, the work you continue to do. And I want to end it with that in that, it's not about some three month course that you take or some, you know, you decided to meditate for like two weeks. Like this is ongoing stuff. You have to constantly work on yourself. You have to constantly keep yourself in check. But if you do these things, you can have a fulfilled life. And to Jason's point about putting your wellness first, I think there's this idea that you're being selfish by putting your own wellness first. But if your wellness is as a father, but if your wellness is not first, then you can't be a good dad and you can't be a good husband. So although it's selfish to put your wellness and your health, mental health first and your physical health, then you're, it's just a giant ladder, you know, trickle down effect. So keep pushing. It's going to be better. If you guys have anything you want to reach out to us about, hit us up on Instagram, DM us. We're not professional when it comes to this stuff. So we can't give you professional advice. I just have to say that legally, but we will give you, you know, any advice that we have or, or any way of, you know, just being able to relate to what you're going through. So 
Jason, it was great talking to you again today. I hope you have an awesome weekend and uh, I'll talk to you next Friday. You too, bro. Much love. Thanks, guys. Comment, subscribe. Let us know what your thoughts are.